Welcome to Storehouse Dallas. So happy to be with my spiritual family this morning. And I wanted to just, um, I wanted to talk this morning about the Great Awakening. Amen? It's time. It's time for another one. So let's talk about the other one. Let's talk about the other one so we can prepare ourselves for what's coming. Because there's another Great Awakening coming. We're in the midst of it. It's already beginning to happen. But we have not seen its fullness. Now, I want to... I want to address something that I feel like the Lord wants to speak to because many of the leaders of the Great Awakening, specifically John Whitfield, he spoke to not only the condition of the people of the land, but he also spoke to the condition of the pulpit that was preaching in the land. So, did you know that there was not one leader in the New Testament that was powerless. If they were preaching the gospel, they were preaching the gospel with signs and wonders and miracles. They were not a university professor. It's not that teaching is not good. It is necessary so that we can all find ourselves approved. But, beloved, we are also supposed to be like Bereans and study the scriptures for ourselves, okay? Now, the power of God makes people wake up. How many of you this week had an opportunity to pray for someone to be healed? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you this week had an opportunity to prophesy over somebody? Awesome. All right, that's like half of us, maybe even more. Every day there should be an assignment because we are surrounded by sick people. And I'll tell you what, as the days become darker, they're going to become even more sick or poisoned. Anyway, don't, I won't go there. Um, Mark chapter 16, verse 15 Jesus says this, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, all right? He's talking to his disciples. And he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. If that was the word for his disciples and for the people of God, how much more for the leadership of his church to be doing this? You will go as far as the one that you've submitted yourself to, which is why Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So finding the uh, people in the pulpit that walk in not only a, a solid word of the Lord, but also uh, uh, signs and wonders. All right. So now I also want to make this point. I wasn't even going to preach about this part of it, but here it is. Are you having fun yet? All right. Second um, Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. He. Uh, uh, all right. So... Um, this is a word for the leadership of the church. 
preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. So, Again, when there is not teaching in the pulpit, what happens is that people will begin to build up and and provide for themselves a a, a pastorate who will tell them what they want to hear, which is, don't rebuke me, but all I want you to do is tell me that I'm doing it right. My job is according to this word, is to offend you. I should, you should come here every Sunday and get punched in the face with the word in a good way because the word of God is sharp and it separates soul, meaning your mind, your will, and your emotions from your spirit. So it takes and it cuts so that the spirit will begin to take rulership, and leadership of your life. Amen? All right. The Great Awakening. To the pulpit, the Puritan pulpit, we owe the moral force which won our independence. Many coming to America in the early 1700s were coming from Europe to settle the new land. The new land belonged to England, and it belonged to the monarchy. There were 13 colonies that were settled during that time. And so you had millions of new settlers that came in. Many of them came here for religious freedom. They were Puritans. They were Quakers. They were Calvinists. They were Presbyterians. And so as they came over, they brought with them their doctrine, and they began to worship the Lord in the way that they had always known in the land that they came from. They, took, they came from a system that was both political and religious, and they, they planted themselves in these 13 colonies. But God had a different idea, and he had a different plan for America. So he broke in with the power of the Holy Spirit in what we know today as the first great awakening. It came during a time when there was no America. It was just 13 British colonies that communicated to each other mostly through commerce. There was no national identity whatsoever. There was no idea of America. So the Holy Spirit broke in. 1740. Major leaders of the revival were George Whitfield, John Wesley, and Jonathan Edwards. And they articulated a theology of revival and salvation 
that transcended denominational boundaries and helped forge a common evangelical identity. During the Great Awakening, there was anointed preaching and manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Now, every Great Awakening has had these manifestations of the Holy Spirit, which quite frankly are hilarious. They're embarrassing. They're offensive. And I love what Mike Bickle said, the Holy Spirit will offend the mind to test your heart. <laughs> okay. John Wesley wrote this, people dropped on every side as thunder struck. As they fell to the ground, others with convulsions exceeding all description and many reported seeing visions. Some shook like a cloth in the wind. Others roared and screamed or fell down with involuntary laughter. That pretty much happens around here a lot. We like those days. Because I love the Holy Spirit. In fact, there were, uh, there were uh, also within Wesley's writings, he said, ask the Lord and prayed and said, Lord, I'm asking for you to do something about the messiness of all of this. But don't take your Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit stays, then keep everything that's crazy about this as well. Because no matter what, we want you and we don't get to decide what you look like. In the book, The Accidental Revolutionary, George Whitfield and the Creation of America, George Whitfield preached the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the creation of the new man and the new identity. This was foreign to the people of the day. Most of them had grown up as Calvinists, believing in predestination, and it they would be saved if it was predetermined by God. But with the power and through the influence of the Holy Spirit, George Whitfield begins to preach a message that they have free will to, to say yes to the free gift of salvation. And, the, and, 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 and hearing this for the first time and that they would be a new creation in Christ and Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit would come and, and, and live on the inside of them and that there would be a regeneration of their heart, therefore their lives would look different. They'd never heard that salvation message before. That Christ died not for a bunch of outward religious expression, but for an internal regeneration of our hearts. And they were like, and they're running to the pulpit to be saved. And I love Benjamin Franklin, who was a disciple of John Whitfield. He wrote and he said, these meetings are completely out of order. People are yelling and they're falling out everywhere and, and they're, 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 it makes absolutely no sense. But then he wrote, but, but the evidence of, 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 of change in these men, I know these men, they're alcoholics in the bar or were, and now they're, they're, they're passionate 
for Jesus and, and their lives are being transformed. And I know this guy and he steals money and all of a sudden he's honest Abe. And so he's writing all of this and he's like, this has to be God because evidence and proof that this is God. The great awakening. All right, so in addition to all this craziness, there were mass salvations, there was healing, and there was deliverance. All right? George Whitfield preached nearly 20,000 times to 10 million people. Now, when he preached on a Sunday, it looked a little bit different than our Sundays. So he would start off and he would pray for an hour. Then he would start preaching for another couple hours. And then everybody would go to lunch. They'd take a brief intermission. And then they would all come back and he'd preach for the rest of the afternoon. Doesn't that sound like glory? Like, and every time you walk in the room, you've got to crawl to the pulpit because the glory of God is so powerful and so strong. And there's a line down the street of cars going, we, we just want to get in. We just want to get in because the power of God is so powerful. It's so beautiful. It's so, you know, I don't care if I'm clucking like a chicken. I just want more. Amen? We actually sat behind a woman that clucked like a chicken, and John was like, don't be offended. Don't be offended. <laughs> that was at one of those fresh fire deals, you know, at the hotels. And, <laughs> oh, boy, John, John was like, Church of Christ. Woo! All right, so in addition to establishing identity, the new birth encouraged people for this. And this is, from, this is from Whitfield's writings. To have a personal relationship to God, with God, to pray without an official prayer book, and even to converse with God. So, so in the Great Awakening, they're introducing this emotional connection that we could have with God that at the time was, was not part of the, the, the um, theology and the doctrine of the day, all right? So something was happening in these 13 colonies. And what, what they did not have was a common identity so they didn't have a nationalistic identity, but what they started with was the identity of the new man. And so that became the identity of the Americas before they ever began to think about having their own nation. So they got established on the inside with fire shut up in their bones, and that became their language. Isn't that incredible? Did you know that we were birthed from the very heart of God? That America, the idea of America, the philosophy of a free man and a free society came out of a great awakening, not out of some sort of textbook or university. 
The fundamental, I'm going to read this to you because I got it out of a book. The fundamental beliefs from the Great Awakening set up logical templates, models of belief and behavior that would be applied to tough political issues of the revolutionary generation. Whitfield promoted several templates that paved the way for the advancement of Republican thought in the colonies. These templates helped the founders find the logic to support their objections to rising British oppression. Eventually, the new birth came to embody the pursuit of happiness, a Republican theme that would play an expanded role in the coming decades. God not only cared about a generation of people coming into his kingdom, but he cared about a nation that they would give birth to that would spread the gospel throughout the whole earth and be a city on a hill. That there would be a place that the whole world could look to, just as they are today, even more so, as a hope for freedom both individually and as a nation. When John Wesley, Jonathan Edwards, or George Whitfield, when they would preach, it was so anointed that people would come in droves to be saved into the new birth. It was accompanied by what many said was emotionalism, crying out, laughing uncontrollably, tremors and shakings. As I said, Benjamin Franklin was saying that the, the thing about this is that there is, there is fruitfulness. And what was incredible about George Whitfield is, again, he would actually, Benjamin Franklin wrote, I can't believe that anybody would come to these meetings because you're so mean to them. He said, you refer to them as being animals, that their sin nature is that of animals, and how cruel you are to even talk about all of the other preachers. But, but again, just like Jesus, Jesus could not tolerate the, the religion of the Pharisees that said, on the outside, you polish yourself up, but on the inside, you are ravenous wolves. And so, the evidence of what they began to see on the outside of these colonies, and again, the ideologies and the, and the, the, the idea of this Americanism was the fruit of what was happening on, uh, on the inside. In fact, George Whitfield made all of his disciples, including Benjamin Franklin, study and be, um, uh, be uh, well-versed in the Book of Romans. Because the book of Romans talks about freedom over and over and over. How we were once slaves and now we are free men. How we were once bond servants, but now we are free men. Amen? <clears throat> James Downey wrote this. It is Whitfield's view of the human plight and its remedy that will best show the thrust of the awakening as formative to the American mind. Again, there was no American identity when this happened. And as they all began to come together, it wasn't based on a national idea. It was based on a spiritual idea. 
And so it, they, so family began to happen because of the things of the spirit, not because the things of a nation. There was no America. It stirred up individuality, this kind of teaching about being the new man. It stirred up individual liberty with personal responsibility, which gave way to the ideology of union with God, personal freedom, responsibilities, rights, and ownership. There was an explosion of this idea. Freedom. That idea was birthed through the first great awakening. This idea had never been present or had been given an opportunity to begin to define an entire nation. There had been hints of it before in Scotland with England, you know, where you've got William Wallace and you've got people that came up, but it was squelched by the tyranny of the monarchy. So it never really realized its fullness until the idea and experiment of America took foothold. When Christ is born on the inside, there should be an outward expression on the outside. This was the core to the belief of the pulpit of the Great Awakening, and they preached five things. Number one, all people are born sinners. Number two, sin without salvation will send a person to hell. Number three, all people will be saved if they confess their sins to God, and seek forgiveness and accept God's grace. Number four, all people can have a direct and emotional connection with God. Number five, religion should not be formal and institutionalized, but rather casual and personal. Our relationship with God should make us cry. When we have those times with him, he's pouring his love out on us. We should have an encounter that makes us cry because of the greatness of that love, the intensity of his love, the zeal that he has for us. He's jealous for us. He longs for us. And even when we get busy during Thanksgiving week or whatever, when we sit back before him, he's not punitive in any way ever, but he comes running to us and embracing us saying, oh, I missed you too. Let's talk about you. Let's talk about me. Let's talk about us. Let's talk about your life. Amen? President John Adams said this, the pulpits have thundered and the people, even to the lowest ranks, have become more attentive to their liberties, more inquisitive about them, and more determined to defend them than they ever were known to be. You see, it was the pastors who were the catalyst and driving force behind the cause of liberty. Let me say that again. 
it was the pastors that were the driving force behind the cause of liberty. The pastors got right up in what was happening in the culture, and they had something to say about it. They spoke to the issues. They gave understanding and brought the truth of what was happening in that hour, period. They were not silent, and they were not scared. Their bold and courageous preaching caused the British to call them the Black Robe Regiment. Pastors inspired this. Are you ready? The Articles of Confederation, the Declaration of Independence, and the Constitution, and the Bill of Rights. Every single one of those documents came out of the truth of the Great Awakening, the spirit of the Great Awakening, all of the ideology of, of, of what these documents represent were written by God as the kingdom and the evidence of the kingdom in the earth. That uh, there could be a people that were free to live in freedom, to love in freedom, to prosper in freedom without any tyrannical rule over them, that they had the ability as independent thinkers to be able to chart the course of their own destiny. These documents were not created in a vacuum, but from the ideas of Christianity formed within the Great Awakening. We the people, that concept we, the people, the phrase has never been created before in any human document. Not in Rome, not in England, not in Europe, not anywhere. We, the people. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. They designed this document to separate the powers so that the government could not become too powerful and rule over us. in order to take the rights that were given to us by God. They created a government that was ruled by the people and for the people, a representative Republican government which had not been seen in the earth before that time. Now, we're 250 years into this, and so we're like, you know, we're America, whatever. But there was no America. There was nothing. There was no, existed nothing to, 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 to take and say, oh, well, we can copy that form of government. I'm telling you, beloved, this came out of the very heart of God. You are in a nation and you, you, that God created for us for the greatest expression of worshiping him, the greatest amount of freedom to expand the gospel throughout the whole earth. To, 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 to rebirth the nation of Israel. I want to take you through, because there are many um, 
um, pastors that showed up at that time. And what's remarkable about these these clergy, this clergy, is is all of the roles that they had in the American Republic or the American Revolution. You've got, I'm just going to read some of them. Jacob Duce, he's a chaplain to the Continental Congress. Timothy Dwight, a con- congressional minister and president of Yale College. William Lynn, the first chaplain of the United States House of Representatives. Joseph Montgomery, an American Presbyterian minister and a delegate to the Continental Com- Congress of Pennsylvania. Um, you've got uh, Josiah Smith, a, a clergyman in uh, colonial South Carolina who championed the causes of the evangelical style of the Great Awakening and later the American independence from Britain. Elihu or Elihu um, Spencer invited to North Carolina by the colony's pro, uh, provincial congress to convince, loyal, to convince loyalist congregations to join the patriot cause. <clears throat> Many of these pastors, by the way, were fighting alongside their congregants. They were fighting. They were the ones that were saying, we need to get out from under this rule. John Witherspoon a signatory of the United States Declaration of Independence as a representative of New Jersey. He was both the only active clergyman and college president to sign the declaration. And I want to talk to you about him for just a minute. This man was incredible. He was a Presbyterian minister who spoke to the issues of the cause of independence. He gave moral clarity to the tyrannical rule of Britain and the rise of patriots who would form America. He began, he and along with Whitfield were probably two of the most prominent voices within the colonies. His influence was paramount to the new nation. He became a voice to the founding fathers, even helping to write some of the original documents. While president of Princeton University, Witherspoon personally taught moral philosophy, and he was an advocate of natural law within a Christian and Republican cosmology. Witherspoon considered moral philosophy vital for ministers, lawyers, and those who hold positions of government. From among his students came 37 judges, three of which became U.S. Supreme Court judges, 10 cabinet officers, 12 members of the Continental Congress, and 28 U.S. senators and 49 U.S. congressmen. Now, I don't know about you, but that's right there, the power of an awakening causes influence, transformation, that goes beyond just the human heart. The power of the gospel with signs and wonders, with manifestations of the Holy Spirit is undeniable and it's seated in a whole nation. Come on, praise God, praise God, praise God. Everything that we enjoy today is because God stepped into a nation and it was in his heart that we existed. Thank you, God. The Great Awakening saved millions. 
before an eight-year war, changed the pulpit, gave birth to a new nation where the gospel could be preached all over the world, and the nation of Israel could be recreated. See, the truth is we really need another great awakening. The Holy Spirit is the great equalizer. Did you know that? When the Holy Spirit shows up, it doesn't matter if you're rich or you're poor. It doesn't matter if you're a man or you're a woman or you're a child. It doesn't matter. You're going to get hit just the same. And the very thing that God is going to do in my heart, he's also going to do in yours. And we're all going to be laid out on the floor laughing hysterically or crying hysterically or wailing hysterically or I don't know. But I'm ready for some hysterical. Again, the church was not supposed to be a safe. Let me rephrase that. We were not supposed to play it safe. Even though we're supposed to be a safe place, we are not supposed to play it safe. The pulpit is not supposed to play it safe. I don't tell you what you need to hear based on whether or not I'm afraid you're going to leave. Or whether you're going to tithe. I got to punch you in the face to make you uncomfortable so that you'll get out of uh, uh, the convenience of your life and begin to stir you up into hunger. Because the thing is, is we got to start changing. Healing the sick, casting out demons, speaking in new tongues, right? I mean... I, I, I don't want David Hogan to be having all the fun, right? Come on. The truth is we were created for courage. And that's who these founding fathers were. That's who these, that's who these people in the pulpit were. They had courage and they spoke against the norm. And look, I'm not trying to call out Kind of, never mind. But challenge the pulpit. You can look at the culture and you can tell what's happening in the pulpit from the culture. Revival began to happen because the, the, the pulpit wasn't afraid. They weren't like, I think I'm going to build a mega church and have 12 campuses because then, you know, whatever. No, they said, Listen to me. Don't, don't heap up for yourselves pastors who will, who will give you what you want to hear, but yet your soul ends up dying at the end of the age. But yet, lend yourself to, to pastors who are saying the hard things that you need to hear, which is wake up. Time is short, Jesus is returning, and we have to be about the Father's business. So, let's stand. I only went five minutes over. Praise God. Well, Father, I, we ask you today for a great awakening. We ask you, God, that once again, we say, hear God, are we? Send us. We are making ourselves available to you. We want to be hungry. 
We want to be so hungry, God, that it is like a Whataburger burrito, taquito, that we have not had in years. God, we are asking you to stir up the spirit within us. Stir up that fire. Stir up that fire. Bring another great awakening. Father, I am asking for you to save America. I am asking for you to save the pulpit. I am asking for you to save your church, God. I am asking you to save your people, God. Pour out your spirit on America. Stir us up and bring another great awakening, God. Where the gates of hell will not stand against your people and your church, God. And I thank you for it. I thank you for it. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus.